All right, we got some work to do here a little bit here. <laughs> got to make sure this is going to... This is going to, should be raining any minute now, guys. So we just want to make sure we're completely ready for this. This is really important that we go ahead and uh, do this. And I need to make sure I don't hit my, hit myself, you know, with a, oh, there we go now. We're, we're moving now. <clears throat> Could you imagine doing this for years, a hundred years, building a boat, building a boat, Behind every swing, there was this faith behind this ordinary man who chose to walk with God, chose to walk with God. Uh, this sermon today I'm looking at is in, out of Hebrews chapter 11, and uh, the title of it is Faith to Build a Boat. Faith to build a boat, and it starts off in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God, who warned him about things that had never happened before. By his faith, say by his faith with me, guys, say by his faith. Noah condemned the rest of the world, and he received the righteousness that comes by what church? By faith. Well, let's pray. God, thank you for your grace. Lord, I, uh, I'm so grateful for your grace. I, I just wouldn't be here if it wasn't for your grace. I know that. Thank you, Lord. I know you're, you've drawn hearts to be here in person and you have drawn hearts to watch this sermon, this service online, and there's people watching it right now, God, and I pray that you grab and arrest every heart. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you are glorified in every heart. Speak to the person who's far from you, who's spiritually lost, the person who's discouraged and worn out and exhausted, the one who's heavy with guilt and shame, the one who's caught up in the chains of depression, the one who's struggling with sin, the one who has chains around him and he doesn't even know it, the one that, the one that needs you, Lord, and has been crying out to you and seems like you've been silent. Would you just take a hold of this sermon? And Lord, I know there's a message in here. I have faith that you are going to move in a powerful way just because I know what my week looked like. So Lord, I pray that you change hearts and uh, we turn to you. Give us eyes to see, a heart to receive your word and build up our faith and move in every heart. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, welcome, church. So glad you are here, and welcome to all of you who are online. Thank you for tuning in and being a part of this service. I'm going to do something I have never done, like in the history of Thorn Creek Church, ever. In 19 years, I have never done this. I'm going to quote a Denver Broncos player. Here it is right here. Russell Wilson, here he is, said, my faith is so strong that I believe that God made me 5'11 for a reason. For all the kids that have been told, no, they can't do it. Or all the kids that will be told, no. And uh, I just appreciate that. Partly because when I was in Seattle, people thought I looked like, or I was Russell Wilson, but I'm not Russell Wilson. But uh, anyway, but it's, uh, um, you know, we're talking about faith. And, and I think a lot of times when we think about faith, we think about willpower. It's kind of like, I'm just going to will, I'm just going to believe, and I'm going to believe that things are going to get better, and I'm going to believe that I'm going to land that job, or I'm going to believe I'm going to get this, or I'm going to believe I'm going to receive this, or I'm going to believe, and we just kind of willpower ourselves to believing something, and it's kind of our own, our own strength. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11 is not about willpower. It's not about willpower. Um, I don't know what you think about when you think about faith, but faith is being a part, surrendering 
to God. God is the object of your faith, of our faith. That's what Hebrews chapter 11 is talking about. And um, what do you, when you look at your own life, what kind of faith steps have you taken in your life? What does that look like? I mean, what, are, what, what have you done in your life or what have you experienced in your life that required a great amount of faith? What, what, what does that look like? I remember when we started uh, Thorn Creek Church way back in, Grace and I moved here in September 2002. Josiah was two years old and Hannah was on the way. And uh, when we moved out here, there was, uh, I didn't know how much we were going to get paid. I didn't know what our salary was going to be. Uh, we had zero people. And I remember moving in a bunch of furniture in our house, and I still didn't know how much I was going to get paid. I didn't know who would be attending. It was a brand new neighborhood for me. I, I didn't, never lived in Thornton or any of those things. And I, I have memories of, of those days. Feels like it was just yesterday. I have memories of walking up and down the street in my neighborhood, knocking on doors, going up the sidewalk, knocking on some stranger's door, and asking them about church. I have memories of that. I have memories of driving by this building and, and, and seeing a parking lot and God telling me go and, and talk to them about you know, doing church in there. And, and I have memories of, of, of going there and I, I have memories of meeting with this Buddhist woman named Allison. I remember talking to her about a church coming into this building, and I had memories of signing a contract, a rental contract. It was going to be like $9,000 a month, and we had a total of seven people attending the church, and I had memories of signing that contract. I have memories of, of the first day we opened up, and, in our, and, and we had three people, strangers, at my doorstep at, at 7 o'clock p.m. at my house, First time I met them was at my doorstep and they sat down on my sofa. And I have memories of them signing this card saying, we'll be part of your church. I have memories of all that. I have memories of us being evicted from that building. I'm getting closer, right? How many of you remember those days? You were around getting evicted. I have memories of having a massive garage sale throughout the whole night and Greg sitting out there watching, you know, spending a night in the parking lot to make sure nobody stole any of our stuff. I have memories of not knowing where we would be meeting next week. I have memories of that. I have memories of, of times when I was thinking, God, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what's going on, God. I don't get it. I have memories of being portable and meeting in schools for seven years. Anybody remember those days? Maybe a lot of you have been, thank you so much for being here. Still here. God bless you. Sometimes I think it requires more faith to stay in the boat than to get out of the boat. You know what I mean? It really does. I have memories. And I bet you can look back at your own life and you can look back. And for those of you who have walked with God for some time, you can look back and say, yep, I have memories. I remember. I didn't know how it would happen. I didn't know how it would be possible. But somehow, somehow God moved. Hebrews chapter 11 and the first uh, 10 chapters of Hebrews really has this one message. And the one message is Jesus is greater. That's the first 10 chapters is the blood of Jesus Christ is greater than the blood of the Old Testament. Any sacrifice. Jesus is superior to everyone else and everything else. That's the first 10 chapters. So when you look to chapter 11, it's like all of a sudden we go from Jesus is greater to faith. Why is that? It seems like it's out of place. Why, why are we, I don't understand this. It looks like we're shifting gears all of a sudden. It's like, why are we talking about faith when we've just focused on Jesus and, and how he's superior to everything and his sacrifice is superior to everything. And, and now we're switching to faith. Well, you got to remember who the writer of Hebrews is talking to. He's talking to a bunch of people who uh, were, know the Old Testament. They're Hebrew Christians. They know all the stories of the Old Testament. That's one thing. They all have that inside knowledge. They all know those stories. And, and we have a tendency when it, comes to, when it comes to growing spiritually, some of us, we're like, 
Gnostics, spelt with a G. Um, like Gnostics. Gnostics believe the way I, I, I grow is I, I learn more about God. If I could learn more about God, then I'm more righteous. So I'm just going to educate myself, and I'm going to study more. So I'm going to learn more about God, and the more I learn, the better person I will be. You might be more like a Gnostic than you realize. Incidentally, that's where the word agnostic comes from as well. Gnostic. But in Hebrews chapter 11, the writer says, it's not about how much you know. It's not about how much you know. Faith is this amazing, it's like the lowest common denominator. Any math people in the house? Any math people watching online? You math teachers, math tutors? What do you do with a problem? You strip it down to the lowest common denominator, don't you? Remember those days? Some of you, I, I, I had math that looked completely different from math today, and, I, and some of you know what I'm talking about. But, but that's what you did. You stripped it down to the lowest common denom- denominator. Faith is one of those things that's available. It's the lowest common denominator. The uneducated can exercise faith, and the educated can exercise faith. The woman who's on food stamps can exercise faith. And the woman who makes seven figures can exercise faith. The janitor can exercise faith. The president can exercise faith. It doesn't matter. The poor can exercise faith. The rich can exercise faith. Doesn't matter what neighborhood, what subdivision you live in, faith is the lowest common denominator, and God makes it, it gets available for everyone. It's available for everyone. It hasn't gone out of style. It hasn't gone out of style. It's been around since the days of this man named Abraham. It's been around for a long time. And now the writer of Hebrews in chapter 11 is saying, it's not about how much you know. It's about putting into action what you believe. It's about showing, it's about, it's about, it's about doing these things. And he starts off by, uh, by describing or defining what is faith. In verse 1, he says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. Oh, let's read this out loud, guys. This is so good. Let's read it. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. So he starts off, before he gives this laundry list of how men and women from the Old Testament have exercised faith, he starts off by saying, okay, here's what faith looks like. It's this, the, the reality of what we hope for. I'm going to talk about hope in a few weeks. So I, want to, I don't want to go there too much right now, but my heart's already stirring about this message about hope. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. That's the New Living Translation. Another version says it like this. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. That word assurance means to stand and under. It literally means that which stands under a foundation. So it's the ground on which one builds hope. So like faith is the bottom foundation and hope rests on top of faith. That's the way it goes. But faith is that, that bottom. Faith is the foundation that everything is built on. That's what it was. Hope is built on faith. And then the second part of that verse said it like this. Now faith is the conviction of things not seen. Now, here's the part where we struggle. Because I can stand up here and I can say, okay, here's a podium. Is it true? Yes, it's true, right? But I, can, I, can, I can tell you right here, this is a piece of, oh, look at this. I wonder what went through. That's cool. Uh, this, is, this is a piece of wood. And, and, and you're like, yep, I, I, nobody's going to probably disagree with that. But here's the part where we have a hard time with. Faith involves seeing something, seeing someone that, nobody else may see. That's the part that we lose people. It's this idea of I'm going to exercise faith and it's, it's going to be in something that nobody else can see. Uh, one commentator said like this, physical eyesight produces a conviction or evidence of visible things. Faith is the organ which enables people to see 
the invisible order. So faith is spiritual. Faith is spiritual. You can't get around it. I mean, that's what faith is. When you get to this place of unknown, you get to this place and you're looking and you're saying, I, you know, just from visual, I'm just looking around, I see my circumstances, looking around, I see what's happening, but I'm going to exercise faith. It's like the matrix, guys. It's like, it's like there's another world happening and nobody else can see it, but you can see it. And Jesus in this, is in the center of it. And you have eyes to see what God is doing. Verse 27, there's this line in there about faith. It was alluded to Moses, and it says, it was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt and not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. So say, let me say it like this. The strength of your faith is hinged to your ability to see the invisible God. That's what faith is. This is how it's different from willpower. It's not have faith in faith. It's not have faith that you can do it. It's not have faith that, that, that you know, your strength is strong enough or, or have faith that you know a lot or have faith just if you believe hard enough. It's none of that. It's having faith in the invisible God. You see evidence of him everywhere, don't you? All of his creation. And that's what this writer talks about. How do you get, how do you get faith? So in Romans, Paul says it. So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Right now, preaching, you listening, for those of you who are listening, some of you are, some of you are not, but actually receiving the word of God is building up your faith. It's building up your faith. That's how you build up faith. When you spend time in God's word and you read about how God has moved in the past and you read these stories and you see how God worked in circumstances and you recognize how, how God moves and all of a sudden you look at your reality and you recognize, you know what? God is moving here as well. I can see what God has done and I know he's gonna move again and there's this conviction that you have inside of you, this assurance, this confidence that even though it may look like things are in chaos, I know who is in control and I have faith that God is with me. I have faith that God is going before us. I have faith that God's going to work everything out. I thought about this, and I thought, why is it hard for us to exercise faith? I think one of it is it's the unknown. It's the unknown. It's, uh, it's much easier for us to believe something that we can see. It's just way easier. This is not faith. It's much more difficult to step out into the unknown when you don't know what's going to happen. That's harder. That's way harder. And incidentally, sometimes what we do is we take a step, you know, we, 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 you know anybody just like assess the thing to death and you're like, okay, I'm gonna, what, what happens if this happens? And then you go ahead and do it and you go, okay, well, I researched the whole thing before I took a step and then you say, I'm gonna call that faith. That was not faith. So you can't get around faith. Faith is this idea of you going to a place that you haven't been and you don't know what will happen. The other thing I think about faith is uh, fear. Fear grips us, gets a hold of us, and prevents us from taking steps of faith. And you see it throughout the Bible. You see it when the Israelites went to the promised land and they're right on the edge and, 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 and there's giants over there and, and, and God tells them, I want you to go in there and I want, I want you to defeat the, and they go and what do they do? They assess the situation first. And they look around and say, oh my goodness, there's some really big giants over here. I don't think we have the, I don't think we have the manpower, the muscles or the numbers, we're gonna die. So they, out of fear, they don't go to the promised land. They pro so, so fear can grip you. I like the way Charles Stanley said, basically there's two paths you can walk, faith or fear. It's impossible to simultaneously trust God and not trust God. Impossible. It's possible to trust God and not trust God. So fear can grip us and we can live in a state of fear all the time. Fear of being hurt 
fear of not being liked, fear of failure. Any kind of fear. We can live in that fear, and that fear can paralyze us from taking steps of faith. Verse 2 says, through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. Isn't that cool? Like, you want a good reputation? Well, then it starts by you walking by faith and living by faith. By faith. Say by faith with me, guys. By faith. Verse 3, by faith. By faith. By, you guys are going to help me out a little bit. I just want to know. Those of you online, you might have to carry this whole sermon. I'm just telling you right now. So type in by faith. Can you do that? By faith. All right, everybody. One more time. By faith. Thank you. So you know what? When you have faith, it actually helps me preach better. I'm just going to tell you. When you show faith and you come with faith, expecting God to move, the whole service changes. It's a game changer. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. Oh, did you see that? The entire universe was formed at God's command. That what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. Science majors, scientists, do you see that? This verse tells us that the universe did not come from existing matter. That's what it says. It did not come from existing matter. The universe was formed at God's command. What did God say? Let there be light, and there was light. Now you think, how in the world did that happen? Here's the part where you have to hear, it's by faith. God intentionally, he doesn't answer everything. You know that, right? Sometimes he leaves, leaves some gaps and he says, no, you know what? You need to have faith here. You, you, don't, you don't have to know everything that's going to happen. You just need to know I'm with you. And it's by faith. I mean, I mean think about it. It wouldn't be much of a big God if we knew everything that he thought and everything, his ways and, and why he does those things and that kind of thing. Thomas Kenya said this, to one who has faith, no explanation is necessary. To one without faith, no explanation is possible. You see that? There's the difference right there. Verse four, it was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man. And God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. Verse 6. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Those of you who are watching online, those of you who are here in person, you're exercising a level of faith just by coming to church. You're, you're choosing, you're saying, I, I want to get to know the invisible God. I want to know him, and, and, and many of you have been walking with the invisible God for, for many years, and others of you are just getting to know them, but there's a level of faith that you're exercising just coming here. I think we're all, we all exercise faith in different ways. Even if you're far from God, you're exercising faith that there is no God. Or you might be exercising faith that there's no consequences for your decisions. That's, that's kind of a level of faith right there. Now, I want you to hear this. You can work through your own reason, doubts, and fears, but ultimately you will come to a place that will call you to take a step into the unknown. Ultimately, you will get to this place, like where God might reveal a little bit here, he might reveal a little bit here, but ultimately he's going to say, this is unknown and that's okay, I want you to walk by faith. Take that step, it's okay. In verse 7, we get into the story of Noah. It says, it was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about the things that had never happened before. By faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. Who's Noah? I want to flip to Genesis just for a little bit because when you look at Hebrews chapter 11, there's this incredible 
list of heroes of faith. And, and when it talks about Noah, you need to understand the background just a little bit. In Genesis chapter 5, it says, After Noah was 500 years old, he became the father of Shem, Ham, and Japheth. So this verse tells us, incidentally, Noah was the grandfather of another guy named Methuselah. Or his grandfather, rather, was Methuselah. He was a grandson. So his grandfather was Methuselah, who still holds a record when it comes to the longest lifespan. He was 969 years old, Methuselah. So so Noah is the grandson to Methuselah, and uh, his name, Noah's name means comfort or rest. That's what it means. And he's a father. He has how many sons? Three sons. Three sons. Verse 9 says, this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a, what kind of guy was he? He was a righteous man. The only, what? The only blameless person living on the earth at that time. Wow. And he walked in close fellowship with God. That's who Noah was. That's important for you to see that because when you look at Noah and you always think about building this boat, this ark, but you need to know the character of Noah. He was righteous, he was blameless, and he walked in close fellowship with God. And the word blameless there, it doesn't mean perfection. You know what it means? It means, literally, it means uncontaminated. Uncontaminated. You think, why is, why is that important? Well, it, it, it's because you've got to read the rest of it. Verse 11 says, Now God saw that the earth had become corrupt and was filled with violence, God observed all this corruption in the world for everyone on earth was corrupt. So Noah's life teaches us that it's possible to live a righteous life in the middle of unrighteous people. Noah's life teaches us it's possible to be a Christian in a non-believing home. It's possible to be a Christian at a workplace that is ungodly. It's possible to be a Christian and attend a school that is ungodly and doesn't fear God. Oh, you hear that, students and teachers? You're, going, you're about to enter the war zone in a few weeks. It's possible. Noah was righteous, uncontaminated, blameless. And he walked in close fellowship with God. So when God saw that, God said, this is my man. This is my man. That's why God wants to walk in close fellowship with you. He wants you to know him. Verse 13 says, so God said to Noah, I've decided to destroy all living creatures for they have filled the earth with violence. Yes, I will wipe them all out along with the earth. So here is the second creation. It's like God's about to reboot everything. Noah and his family is about to become Adam and Eve 2.0. The first time it didn't work. There was too much sin. And, and the world had become so corrupt, so evil, so sinful, so unrighteous, God looked around and saw one guy who was seeking him. And he said, we're going to start all over. And he talks about, you read about this flood. Now, Bible scholars have looked at this, and there has been some, some discussion about um, rain. And, and some scholars would say, before this time, there was never, ever any rain at all. Never any, any rain. And in fact, everything was watered through the irrigation of streams and rivers. And, and, all, and that's how it was. And, or water came up through the ground. You know, you might hear that. But rain was something that was foreign. Remember, this was, um, uh, God told Noah that something was going to happen that's never been seen before. So there was this faith that Noah exercised. So when he's spending time and he's hammering away and he's building and he's saying, what are you doing this for? Well, there, there's, there's going to be a flood. I, I was so tempted to come out to church this weekend 
with like, you know, those kid little, you know, little inflatable things and preach the whole message. But then I thought, you guys won't even take me seriously if I do that. You'll be laughing the whole time if I came out with a rubber duck or something around me right here. But, but everybody's looking at them. This guy's crazy. Water, flood, and they're living their life, not thinking any of it. And, and God tells him, build a large boat from cypress wood and waterproof it with tar inside and out, then construct decks and stalls throughout its interior. Incidentally, there's a life-size ark. Anybody visited it? It's in Kentucky. And uh, I think it's Williamston or some Kentucky. But um, this ark was about one and a half football fields long. One and a half football fields long. And it was about seven stories high. That's what this ark. So it, it, it took him a while. Um, Martin Luther said, MLK said this, faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. I think it required faith for Noah to say, you know what, <clears throat> I've got to start working on this. Now, I, I need to, I'm, I'm going to work all day, and tomorrow morning, I'm going to wake up at 8 o'clock in the morning, and I've got to go at it again, and I've got to build it. I gotta, I... It took faith to pick up that hammer, didn't it? I think there's that first step of faith that's hard. We always want to see everything before we take a step of faith. <clears throat> We have excuses, don't we? Reasons. You know what? Now's just not a good time. I can't do that. Now's not a good time. I am busy right now. It's not a good time for me. Maybe down the road. How far down the road have we been right now, guys? Who's been living there? We've been down the road for years now, aren't we? You still haven't taken a step. Now's not a good time to serve. I'm just so busy. When things settle down, now's not a good time to start giving. I, now's not a good time. I got to get, I got to get things in order first. I got to get my finances in order first. After I get my finance, then I'll go ahead and think about. Now's just not a good time. You know what? I'm too young. Hello. You know what? I'm too old. You know what? There's not much I can do physically. Oh, shucks, gee whiz, darn. I can't do any much. Come on now. You know who you are. We're full of reasons. You cannot get around faith. Eventually, you'll get to a point of the unknown, and God's going to say, I want you to take that step. And it requires you to trust him. You will get to that Place. So if you're waiting for a safety net and you're waiting for things to be laid out and you're waiting for things to get better, you know what? That's not called faith. You don't get credit for that. That's just relying on your own perception, your own knowledge, your own understanding. Faith is stepping out in spite of your circumstances. How long did it take for Noah to build this thing? Well, this has been debated as well, but it starts at Genesis chapter 6, verse 14, and then Genesis chapter 7, verse 1. So if you look at that span, some, some scholars have said, well, that's a total of 120 years to build the ark from those two verses right there. Other scholars have said, no, it's about, it's 100 years. So whether it's 100 or 120 Let's just go work with a nice round number. Let's pretend it's 100 years. 100 years of Noah just working on this ark, building 100 years. Come on. Don't you want God to move fast? Who likes waiting? 100 years. We become impatient with God pretty quick. When things don't go our way and that prayer is not answered right away and things, our circumstances don't change, it's like, I'm out. I'm out. We want God to move quickly. 100 years. I thought about this. That means he had to have faith for 100 years. I think he was... Every time he was, I mean, I, I could just imagine him like, like okay, we got to wait for this thing called this rain. And it's like, oh, there's a dark cloud. Oh, finally. And nope, no rain. And I just got to keep going. When is this? When, 
And everyone is thinking, Noah, you're a fool. You're a fool. You're just a fool. He didn't see the results of his faith for 100 years. Think about them apples. How about them apples? He did not see the results of his faith for 100 years. Uh, l- let me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something to you that some of you need to hear. You're not the boss. You're not the boss. The boss of the boss of the boss is the creator of the world. The king of kings, the Lord of lords. He's the boss. He has everything in his hands. He doesn't have to jump and move when you tell him to jump and move. I want to say this. You need 100-year-old faith. Faith that holds on. Faith that has gravitas. Faith that has long obedience. Faith that outlasts the storms. Faith that fights the battles. And faith that overcomes fear. That's the kind of faith you need. That's the kind of faith you need. Because there's going to be times in your life when you're going to be tempted to walk away. There's going to be times in your life when you're not going to see the results as quick as you want to see them. There's going to be storms in your life that are going to challenge your theology and challenge your thinking. And you're going to think, you know what? It's not worth it. And you're going to want to walk away. You're going to want to walk away. As I looked at this, I thought about other examples in Scripture. Do you know, Abraham, he waited 25 years for his wife to be pregnant, for them to have a son named Isaac. He waited 25 years. He got the promise, but he waited 25 years for that to be fulfilled. Joseph waited 13 years for a dream to become reality. 13 years. David waited 15 years to be a king. God was silent. Here it is. Let me just find it in the Bible because you can see it right here. It's in the Bible here. If you look at, if you look at uh, right before the New Testament, guys, it's found right before Matthew. I'm going to show you what it looks like. Oh, here it is. Here it is. Got a close-up of that? Which camera are we looking at? Harold, that's a good camera. Right here before, you know how many years represents in this blank page? 400 years of silence. And then the Messiah was born. So when you look at history, you see times when God just says, you need to wait. You need to wait. And you're part of an incredible fraternity. Sometimes God answers quickly, and don't you just love those? I was like, God, I need a job, and the phone call comes in the next morning. Whatever it is, I mean, you know, I love, 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 love. Those are, but you know what I've, I've discovered? They don't build up my faith nearly like the times when I've had to wait. The times I've had to wait have been more personally challenging than something coming quickly. The times when I've been tempted to walk away and I've stayed have built up my faith way more than that quick answer to prayer, whatever, whatever, whatever it is. And let me say it this way. There's something that God has for you that requires faith to draw it out. Hear that? God has something for you that requires faith for you to experience it. Let me say it this way. Faith is the gateway for the promise that God has for you. Faith is the gateway for the promise that God has for you. So you need to exercise that faith. Your life, what God wants to do in your life, will not make any sense to anyone else. When you exercise that faith and you see God move, It won't be rational. It's going to be mind-boggling. It won't make sense to others. It won't make sense to you. You won't know how it happened, but it'll be supernatural. And it's because you exercised faith. 
like the person who turns to God and you look at them and you're like, man, what happened? Your life looks so different a year ago and look at where you're at now. Wow. Look at that. Your life looks so different. I had a phone call from someone, <laughs> you might know who it is, but they called me and they no longer attend Thorn Creek. They live states away. And, but I, I remember the day when their daughter was ready to commit suicide and had the date all that stuff, and her daughter, their daughter, and, and, and the parents came to my office, and I prayed with the daughter, and I had her read scripture, and, and, and she turned to Jesus. She was ready to end her life, ready to end her life. And that relationship developed, ended up baptizing the entire family, and the father called me this week. He called me this week, and he said, Pastor Reuben, I just want you to know how you impacted my family. Now, I'm, I'm opening up myself just a little bit, guys, because here's the backstory behind that. There's times when I feel like I'm just building an ark, and I'm waiting, and I'm exercising faith. And there's times when I think, you know what God did is, you know, I, I, I mean, I'm like, all right, God, why, why, why am I doing this again? Why am I doing this? And maybe, maybe I should just leave like that other person just left. Why, why am I here? God, what are, the, what are, what are you doing here, God? And I don't, God, I want to, you know, that kind of thing. And, and I'm just being super vulnerable with you right now. You may not know how real I am with you. I'm being totally real with you right now. There's times when I say, God, when is the rain going to come? I'm tired. And then I got that call. God just knows how to encourage us, doesn't he? And I got that call. I think about that relationship with that young girl who was ready to commit suicide. She just welcomed me to speak truth into her life. And I remember she had a, a car accident. And, and she called, and I, I brought this up to the dad. And he says, oh, pastor, I remember that. And you know what she did? She called her mom. She called her dad. And you know who was the third person that she called? Her pastor and said, I'm stuck on the side of the road. Can you come and help me? This young woman, at the time she was in high school, at one point she was ready to commit suicide. Now she's walking with Jesus. Now she's calling the pastor to ask for help, which I have a special relationship with that young woman. And I look at her life today, and I look at that life today, and I look at that family, and I'm thinking, you know, the devil almost had them but he didn't get him, glory to God. He didn't get him, glory to God. Some of you, you can say the same thing. The devil's trying to get you. The devil's trying to shackle you up. The devil's trying to hold you. He doesn't want you to exercise any faith. He wants you to stay self-centered. He wants you to live in fear. He wants you to focus on yourself, and he wants you to have a hard heart. He's doing everything he can to keep you in that spiritual condition. But you bust through. When you turn to God with all of your heart and you say, God, I'm going to exercise faith. I'm going to exercise faith. Faith is a surrender to a timeline that's not yours. It's a decision to trust a perspective that's not yours. And it's a choice to believe that his way is better than yours. Some of you need to hear this. Don't give up on your faith. Don't give up on that dream. Don't give up on that promise. Don't give up on that calling that God put in your life. Don't forget it. Don't forget it. I love verse 22. It says, so Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him. I think, I think Noah was already at that place because scripture says he was, he was blameless and he was righteous and you know, uncontaminated is what scripture says. So I think he was already learning to be faithful even before God called him to build a boat. He was already learning to be faithful. I think about David. He was learning to be faithful when he was a shepherd. So when he became king, he was ready for it. So let me say it this way, the time, the season that you're in right now is not a wasted season. God wants you to learn faithfulness in the season you're in right now. 
He wants you to learn faithfulness. He wants you to learn trust. He wants you to learn obedience. He wants you to learn to walk with him in the season you're in right now. And so many times the way we're wired is we're thinking, you know what? When I get to the next season, when I get to the next, when things are better, then I'll do this. No, 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 no. You got it wrong. God wants you to turn to him and trust him in the season you're in right now. Turn to someone and tell them, do it right now. Do it right now. I like what Paul said. He says, we walk by faith and not by sight. Here's the truth. If you're walking by faith, you'll look weird to everyone around you. If you're truly walking by faith, people will look at you and say, why are you doing that? You're going to church again? Why are you spending time reading the Bible? What's that about? What are you doing? Why are you quitting your job? Why are you moving? Why are you, what are you doing? It doesn't make sense. See, because they're not looking at the invisible God. It truly will look God. I like this quote. Someone said, Noah looked like a fool until it started to rain. It was a horrible situation. You know, and I've said it before, you know, when you look at kids' nurseries, you know, it's, there's a beautiful picture of an ark and a rainbow, but truth is there were people banging on that door of that boat trying to get in, about to die with this flood. Scripture says, and Jesus talked about it. It'll be like the days of normal. Like, like the, it will just be normal routine stuff. People will not be, they were not expecting it. And then when it happened, they ran to the boat and banged on the door and there was no more room. And God just said, just shut the door. I know it looked like a fool until it started to rain. And I love the sign when this was all over. It says, then God said, I'm giving you a sign of my covenant with you. And with all the living creatures for all generations to come, I've placed my rainbow, say rainbow with me, guys, rainbow in the clouds. It is the sign of my covenant with you and with all the earth. When I send clouds over the earth, the rainbow will appear in the clouds, and I will remember my covenant with you and with all the living creatures. Never again will the floodwaters destroy all life. When I see the rainbow in the clouds, I will remember the eternal covenant between God and every living creature on earth. Glory to God. So here's the rainbow. There it is. Isn't it beautiful to look at rainbows, guys? I had, this rainbow is in Hawaii. It's gorgeous. Looking at rainbows. You know, contrary to what the world says, the rainbow sign does not belong to the LGBTQ community. It belongs to God. It's his sign. It's his covenant. It's a reminder for himself that he will never, ever, ever destroy the world again. It's a reminder of his love. And it started with this man named Noah who had faith to build a boat and said, I'll do it. And he built this boat. It started with him. It started with him. Now, I can't help but to wonder, let me ask you like this. What would your life look like if you exercised audacious faith? I, I went too far for some of you right now. I know I did. What would your life look like if you said, you know what? I'm just going to walk by faith and I'm going to believe. And I'm going to trust God to move. And I'm, I don't know all the answers, but I'm going to trust God anyway. And I, I don't know how this will work out, but I'm going to trust God anyway. And I, whatever it is, what is God calling you to do or be? Whatever it is, what's your next step in your walk with God? What is God calling you? What would your life look like if you just exercised audacious faith? And it could be something very personal. It could be something within your home. It could be something like God says, okay, I want you to get out of this situation. And you think, well, I don't know how I can get out of that situation because I need, and God can say, no, 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 no. Just trust God. See what God does. It's not about you. No matter what has happened to you in the past, no matter what your situation looks like today, it has no power to keep you from walking by faith with God. We have a God of new beginnings. Glory to God. Aren't you glad we have a God of new beginnings? Aren't you glad last night does not define you? 
glory to God. Aren't you glad that our past is not our identity? Aren't you glad we have a God who sees something in us that maybe we can't even see in us? And we have a God who says, I had big plans for you, but you got to exercise some faith. Will you do that? Here's my challenge. Will you exercise faith this week? Whatever it looks like, whatever it is, but it needs to be faith. It needs to be a step into the unknown. Will you do that? And see what God does with your life. Some of you, the first step of faith might need to be uh, inviting Jesus into your heart. That's a really big step. Or some of you, it might be your step is going to be, I'm going to turn back to God. That's a big step of faith. Or some of you might be, okay, I'm going to take this step and I'm going to honor God in this area of my life or I'm going to, whatever it is, that's a step of faith. We all, we never graduate from taking steps of faith. Never. You would have thought Abraham waiting 25 years for his son to be born would be the end of his faith journey. But there was another journey. It involved a sacrifice with his son then, didn't it? Abraham was like, are you serious? I thought I proved myself already for those 25 years, and now you want me to sacrifice my son? See, we never graduate from faith steps. Never. We're always taking faith steps. I'm still taking faith steps to this day. I, I wish I was done with them. <laughs> but God, God just keeps, you just can't, you never graduate. He wants you to know that he is Lord. He is God. He is great. He is awesome. He cares for you. You are a child of his. And he wants you to know how powerful he is. He wants you to know nothing's impossible for him. And he'll work through circumstances and situations in ways that you never imagined. He wants to show off. He wants to flex in your life. Will you let him? You got to take faith step first, guys. You got to take a step of faith first. Oh, God, thank you for your grace and your love. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Thank you for using me by your grace. And right now, I want to pray. Um, if you're ready to receive Jesus Christ into your heart, and maybe you're online or in person, would you say this prayer? Say, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me for my sins. I turn to you. Or maybe you need to turn back to God, and maybe your prayer is, God, I want to come back. Jesus I turn back to you. Or maybe you just need to say, God, I want to exercise some faith. I want to keep growing in my walk with you. Build up my faith. Make me stronger. And take me to a place that I've never been. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the life of Noah and so many others in Hebrews chapter 11. May we live out our life in, today, in our generation today and walk by faith and make a difference in our world. In Jesus' name we pray.